Hello, I'm Kyle Johnson, and this is What Are You Reading?, a podcast devoted to books and the perspectives of their readers. I'm on break this week, so I decided to feature another conversation from the archive. The mural artist, Wiley Cottle, appeared on an early episode of this podcast, and I'm happy to re-feature his conversation now. We talk about a coffee table book, the visual arts, and the pretentiousness that may come when you mix the two. So I'll be back next week with a new episode, but in the meantime, thanks for listening. Hello, I am Wiley Cottle. Um, I am a mural artist based out of Lexington, Kentucky, and I'm so happy we have like connected and and you have, have inspired me to read more. So I'm, I'm really happy to start talking about what I'm reading. Great. So what are you reading right now? I am reading a coffee table book, and it is called Mark Rothko, The Exhibitions at Pace. Nice. So just to start out, who was Mark Rothko? Mark Rothko is a very prolific American artist. His most famous paintings were produced in the 50s and has since been um, just sort of an icon of, I guess, um, expressionist, surrealist art, abstract art. Um, He never fully identified what kind of art he did, but he does these big, huge paintings of like blocks of colors, like these big, like maybe three colors in this giant wall size, almost mural sized painting. But he, there is a quote from him. It's like, people that stand in front of his paintings and cry are having the same religious experience that he had while he painted it. And he recommended standing no more than 18 inches away from the painting. And these are huge paintings. So it's, you're supposed to be overwhelmed by them. Each painting is manifestation of physical form of a really intense emotion. So you're an artist, so does his work mean something to you? It didn't until, so my boyfriend is a big fan of Mark Rothko. The colors are so attractive and he loves the way they look in his house and like for interior design, they look so good in photos. And he wanted a recreation of a Mark Rothko painting for his house. And so I was like, oh, I can do that for Christmas or whatever. So before I did it, I was reading up on Mark Rothko and his process. And the first thing I learned about Mark Rothko was that He hated, hated anyone calling his paintings pretty. He never wanted his paintings to be for like wealthy homes or interior design pieces for wealthy people. He hated that. He wanted his paintings were like religious experiences. And to honor him, I think I've been learning a little more about him and and his process and what went into these paintings. So I'm reading this coffee table book. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in reading this book, what's speaking to you most about what you're learning about him or what you're maybe seeing in his paintings? What is speaking to me most are the pictures. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. I have never sat down and read like a coffee table book. Like people have them everywhere and there's so many different kinds of varieties, but they're so photo heavy, you know, but there are plenty of things to read. There's tons of captions. And this one specifically has a, you know, maybe like 40 pages of words about Mark Rothko and his life and his progression from, realism to these big abstract paintings and what I'm finding it is so difficult to read one of these because let me let me read you this is in the opening paragraph here's a couple sentences 
Rothko's early paintings no more forecast the radiant rectangular nimbuses inhabiting his painted planes from 1949 until his death in 1970 than do Pablo Picasso's so-called blue period paintings forecast the planar atomizations of cubism undertaken a decade later in 1910. That's one sentence. And let me tell you, I have taken a few art history classes. The whole book is like this. I don't know what they're saying. I mean, the vocabulary is astronomical. It is so hard to read because I have to stop every few words and look something up. Like, atomizations of cubism undertake, you know, I'm finding that coffee table books are pretentious. <laughs> I mean, what do you think is really the purpose of someone writing like that? You know, I have always heard when I was in college, people would always say, when you know, when you're reading a scholarly article, you know, to write your essay or whatever, if it if the vocabulary is so extensive and so high level that you can't really understand it, then maybe that's bad writing. Which I'm going out on a limb and saying that. I'm not saying this is bad writing, but I am saying I can't understand it and I'm not stupid. <laughs> There's a few things like the interview pages where it's like interviews of Mark Rothko that I'm like, oh, this is so easy to understand. He was easy to understand because he spoke how people speak. Nobody, nobody speaks in vocabulary like this. People write, some people write in vocabulary like this. Like I'm just like looking at this book right now and I'm seeing words like metaphysical and kaleidoscope rec. rec I can't even pronounce them. Kaleidoscopic rectangularity. What? I mean, it's it's so it's difficult. It's a hard it's hard read. Yeah. So I mean, let's talk about writing or speaking about art. I mean, if you're trying to describe how something looks to someone who hasn't seen the thing before, let's just say it's a painting. Um, what, in your opinion, are more effective ways to communicate something like that? I think the best way to communicate that to an audience like me who has no degree in art history is maybe just breaking it down into simpler terms because a book like this, you know, it's describing the painting next to a picture of the painting. So it's not saying like, this is a chartreuse with blocks of vermilion on top. You know, it's not describing it like that. It's really diving deep into artistic movements of the time and the inspiration of the painting and maybe other artists that Mark Rothko was inspired by using just a really intense vocabulary. So that's a good question because I don't know the best way to kind of describe these paintings to kind of your everyday audience that wouldn't know a lot of these terms. I wonder if just as an experiment, if you could try to describe one of the most Notable paintings just in 30 seconds or so? Yeah, let me pull up a photo of it. Let me find a good one. So it is a red painting. It is literally like a dark red and then sort of an open rectangular brighter red on top of the burgundy red. It's literally a rectangle on a burgundy canvas. Um, And then I would go more into saying... Mark Rothko had some sort of religious experience painting this painting. I don't know. That's why I'm kind of like trying to read this book is like understand how to maybe describe paintings like this and understand the 
ultimate existential meaning behind this painting, which is literally two colors. As I've been reading, I've learned that he would break down in tears every time he would, you know, paint one of these giant blocks of color on a canvas. So, which I didn't do. Spoiler. (laughs) There's a really good quote from him in this book. Every time they quote him, like, I get it. I understand. And that's what I really am learning from, from this book. But there's this one story that's being told about him and it's how this woman came into a studio and wanted to, you know, purchase a painting or whatever. And the quote goes, Mark Rothko, she said, I want a happy painting, not a sad painting, a pink and red and orange and yellow painting, a joyous painting. And then Mark Rothko says, pink, red, orange, and yellow. Aren't those the colors of an inferno? And then it says she left without a painting and he didn't offer her any other work. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like when I have been moved by a picture or a painting, it's because I can see the technique that went into it. Yeah. I remember seeing The Scream by Edvard Munch, which is an iconic image now. I mean, it's an emoji. Yeah. (laughs) But the most impressive thing about that and the most striking thing was seeing the streaks of line with whatever material he used. There's an energy almost to the line itself. Yeah. But anyway, I want to go back to the book itself for just a second. When you approach writing like that, that is obviously elevated in style. It it seems like you find it somewhat off-putting, but is there ever a part of you that thinks, oh, I want to understand this. I want to reach for whatever they're getting at. You know, in a way, I feel like it could make certain people want to delve even deeper. For this particular book, it's off-putting because I don't find it poetic or beautiful. I find it to be just education. It is such a high level of vocabulary, but not necessarily constructed in a way that interests me. Like, you know, poetry where there are words that I, you know, need to look up to under to understand what they're saying. I love doing that because if I, I like learning words like that. And, you know, that choice of word was so specific. Whereas this, it just feels like they're picking the most intelligent word they can or maybe the most intelligent word that they have to, because that is the name of this artistic movement or this form or, you know, whatever. Do you own any coffee table books? (laughs) I don't even have a coffee table. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need a table to own a coffee table book. That's true. I, I don't have any coffee table books, but I'm thinking now, you know, if I did, what would they be? I'll have to think about that. Go for just the photos. I feel like, no, no, they will not be read unless you read it, a coffee table book. You've got to go for the visuals, the most beautiful kind, because if it does get picked up and looked through, not one word will be read. It's We're here for the photos if it's a coffee table book. Hmm. Well, Wiley, I'd love to give you the last word. Is there anything else you'd like to say about this book or your approach to reading it or maybe reading in general? The final words I will say about Mark Rothko, The Exhibitions at Pace, is it is a lovely addition to anyone's coffee table. It is beautiful to skim through and look at the photos. But if you are looking to know more about Mark Rothko, I would suggest a YouTube video. Honestly, this one is uh, this one's not going to get you there. Can't get past the first paragraph, to be honest. (laughs) 
Thanks for being so honest. <laughs> Absolutely. Today's guest was Wiley Cottle, who's reading Mark Rothko, The Exhibitions at Pace by Arne Glimsher. A link where you can view Wiley's murals and other art is available in the show notes of this episode. The music, heard now and at the start of the episode, is from the album Wallflower by percussionist Julian Loida. If you liked this discussion, please consider leaving the What Are You Reading podcast a good rating and review, or feel free to contact me using the email address in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening.